This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week are two stupendous humans, Tia Vasiliu. Hi. And Brian Murray. Hey. Thank you both for joining me this week. We're back! We're back after four weeks! We're back, baby! I'm so excited. I'm so I'm so jazzed. I sent an email that was just woo to everybody because I was like, it's happening. We're back. It's, we took the summer off or a month of the summer off. SDCC happened. A lot of different things happened in comic books. Um, and everybody read a whole bunch of stuff, I think, um, in the whole IRCB crew, IRCB crew. It's, it's been a great month, but I'm, I'm happy that we had time off, but I'm really excited that we're back. I also went to see the Overwatch League Grand Finals, and like I'm still kind of running off of that adrenaline, so I'm sorry if I'm a little bit overhyped. But I want to ask you guys the question that I haven't asked in a couple of weeks. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Tia. Tell us about your summer off, too. Um, well, did I have a summer off? It kind of feels like I didn't even have a summer off because I've been trying to get This Is Not Interview stuff wrangled for the second half of the year. Oh, true. And even though we did take a break, um, but we're, yeah, that's coming back soon. And I was at San Diego and I'm, I'm still like trying to catch up on sleep from that because no sleep for like five days and yeah you know yeah i mean the stories you were kind of telling us in in our in the chat was insane sounded like (laughs) sdcc was insane i mean we could just leave it at that i just (laughs) i'm glad you had a good time it was fun yeah it was really fun i saw a lot because i've never gone as a civilian like i'm always there for work so this time i was just there to hang out and see friends and it was great i recommend it uh, I'm. I wish that I. I could have been there. SDCC is such a monster of a con. Like I'm at this point, I'm almost scared to try to go. Like I think Mike ten years ago really wanted to go, but Mike this year is like I could just just read d- news articles. It's fine. <laughs> it's honestly like you can't if you want to be there in person for any of those kinds of giveaways or exclusives or announcements it basically is the only thing that you can do at the show because you have to like stake out your spot in line or whatever and I'm just not all about that and so yeah I've never you know because I've been there for work I've never like had the opportunity to even consider any of that so I'm also just like seeing all of that on Twitter and being there just for for you know for myself for whatever i i took the um sleeping in and uh hanging out at the pool kind of route i went to the show for like an hour or two on sunday and okay yeah that was enough (laughs) i mean but regardless it it sounded to me like you had a lot of fun outside of the con because i mean even like when we went to emerald city comic con like the real fun wasn't being at the show i mean that was enjoyable i mean but the real fun happened after hours right of course yeah that's when you see your friends and get dressed up and do all that sort of stuff yeah schmooze with the folks went to the eisners that was good oh yeah yeah monstrous won all the things Mm -hmm, it was great mm -hmm. we finally managed to get we Marjorie Liu managed to get, finally get <laughs> Sana Takeda on um, FaceTime for their, I think, the fourth or fifth one that they won. <laughs> oh, that's so, awesome. So that was really touching. Like, I I feel like I got a little emotional just because, you know, it was such a it was such a great night. And um, also my favorite thing is Monsters won a lot of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Tanika Stotts gave, I think, the most beautiful speech, the most 
empowering, amazing speech about, uh, you know, people making their their own work and, and using their voices and, you know, kind of, you know, you know, when whenever some asshole wants to shut you down when you ask for representation they're like make your own you know mm-hmm. and and she's like hey we fucking did and it won an eisner because we're awesome so fuck you yeah yeah <laughs> and um yeah so so there were definitely a lot of highlights at the eisners sorry i'm talking way too much about no not books that i read well i mean but this is honestly, what i did instead this, of reading a lot of books this, this is so cool though because like this is part of the experience of being in comic books or working with folks that are in comic books like going to cons is a huge part of the world like don't feel bad about that this is all really interesting okay. to me i want to listen to you talk about it <laughs> and, and if anybody else i mean anybody listening went to sdcc we'd love to hear your experience as well but i mean have, did you read anything though at i mean what in the in the month that we were off at least on, on top so, of going to sdcc so um sunday is the best day to buy books at sdcc because people are like please buy these books so i don't have to bring them back and there um there was a sale at the fanographics booth so i picked up a bunch of books there including the agency by katie skelly i'm like a huge katie skelly fan now apparently every time i go to a show i have to buy one of her books and um so this is actually a collection of like sexy web comics so it's not like brand new material or anything but it's nice to have it in a book like in book form you know and it's sort of um it's about these three sort of james bond lady agents they're very cool and sexy and they go on these like weird mod sci-fi adventures and and they're not like connective narratives they're just these little vignettes where they encounter like sexy space vegetables or skeletons and things like that and so it's kind of got an element of the surreal I just I really love the conflation of exploration and sexuality that just makes sense to me in my head and it I think it's very clever and it just opens a lot of opportunities to kind of go wild which a lot of these are very wild and I like having a little touch of the surreal with my sexy it just because it's just so interesting and it just pushes your imagination that much further and I also think that there's something really nice about the very kind of graphic colorful minimalist style that Katie Skelly uses there's not a ton of detail really bright bold colors you know she's very economical with her shapes and her lines and I think that it that also pushes your imagination because you have to kind of um, meet it more than halfway to fill in some of those textures and 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 it forces you to connect with the characters and the vignettes and the things that they might be experiencing kind of more through your own subjectivity. Whereas I think that when you read sexy comics and there's and they're like super hyper realistic, it lets you kind of sit back and have a little more of a passive experience, which can start to, I don't know, sometimes feel like you're objectifying someone else's sexuality. So I just I just love Katie Skelly and her whole sexy deal. Brian, how about you? How have you been? How was your quote-unquote summer break from the show? All that jazz. Uh, it was good. I did very little with my time. Um, <laughs> okay. I played a lot of Diablo 3. Uh, Xander kind of got me hooked on that a while back, so I'm just kind of rolling with it. Uh, I did manage to read some comics. Uh, I still have 
my my stack of two read comics is probably a foot tall at this point whoa i listen there's some trades in there that are uh pushing up the, the height a little okay okay i'm just bad at it i'm just a bad comics fan it's fine though <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because you, I definitely remember there was an episode a short while ago where you were like, I finished my entire to-read list, and I was like, what? <laughs> so, you know what? It's it's all an ebb and flow. It's totally fine. Yeah. I did manage to read uh, Submerged, number one. That's from uh, Vita Ayala is writing it. So, you know, we love Vita here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa mm-hmm. Sturl is on illustrations. Stella Dia doing the colors. And Rachel Deering on letters. It's a really good looking book. It's got uh, one of the best depictions of an estranged family that I've seen in a long time where you get the sense that there's not like hostility between these characters. You almost get the idea that the family just comes with the sense of obligation and right. it gets to a point where the main character would rather just not deal with it, which is certainly something that I'm familiar with. I like that some of the, the the main character and her family speak Spanish and there are occasions in the dialogue where they just kind of slip into Spanish and there's no like them like repeating what they said in English or anything of that nature. Uh, the sort of stuff they usually do to convey to a primarily English speaking audience what the characters said. Um, I enjoy that it's just presented as just a thing. They speak Spanish sometimes and mm-hmm. and we got to deal with it like it kind of reminds me of that brian k vaughn book that he put out with marcos martin i think it's called border or maybe or i think something like that it's coming out from from image right now but it was released all digitally online where just entire chunks of the book are in spanish with no translation like that's yeah, such a yeah. like realistic depiction of how people speak like there wouldn't be a translation for you it's like go learn spanish dummy it's the yeah. second most popular language in the United States. Uh, but I, I won't get on a soapbox about that. We'll just step back. <laughs> that gave me a chance to stretch my old like high school Spanish muscles. I recognized cool. some of those words. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite part, though, about this book is there seems to be a really interesting mythology forming. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely borrowing on old world mythology. Like, um, uh, the main character goes into a subway tunnel as a hurricane is approaching New York City. And while down there, she meets these three old men and their dog. And there's a shot where you can see their shadows, and their shadows are all much bigger than the guys themselves. And Mm -hmm. the dog's shadow has three heads. So it's definitely like a Cerberus guardian of the underworld sort of thing. And then, you know, these old men each give her a coin, and she has to pay the ferryman to get deeper into the sewers to go after her brother it's it's real good that sounds cool that oh man okay that sounds really cool i haven't checked this book out yet but i mean damn it you're selling it really well i love i love like modern takes on like old mythology like that that's really cool yeah yeah and i don't know how much of that this book is going to be but i'm really excited to find out cool what about you mike what have you been doing with yourself well, I've been reading a lot of manga. Um, I, I sat, I had, I just been just killing myself by reading a ton of manga from the library um, over the last month. Like I, I got through volume ten of Haikyuu. Um, I finally finished all of Pluto, which is I read volume six through eight of Pluto, um, which wraps up the 
uh, Naoki Urasawa's take on an old Astro Boy story, which is really, really good. Um, I've also been reading his story, Monster, which is a bit bigger um, to the library. Um, uh, I don't know. Otherwise, like I said, I went to the Overwatch League finals, um, playing a lot of video games, watching a lot of Overwatch stuff. I don't know. Just kind of doing that, catching up on just WWE. Being a nerd. Yeah, being a big, huge, fat nerd. <laughs> Staying inside all summer. Being sick yes. for like two and a half weeks straight. <laughs> I mean, it's been in the uh, 90s pretty consistently, so I don't blame you for staying inside. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's really weird because I've been staying inside, but I also have, I got sick for like two weeks straight. Like, I had like a head cold, and it's like, oh, you know, that'll be gone over the weekend. Like, I got it on a Friday right after, I think it was the week after um, we recorded the, the Goodreads episode, and I got this cold, and I was like, oh, okay, it'll be gone maybe by Monday, and by Monday, I like had to take the day off. I felt so sick. I couldn't even like stand up straight without getting vertigo and um i was like coughing up a lung and it was it was really really bad i i felt like it was bronchitis but i was like i I don't think it was bronchitis i don't know i was taking medicine like over the counter stuff and i was feeling better and then i would sleep really hard it was bad for like two weeks and i'm so happy we didn't have the show because i would have just sounded like like a nasally coffee mess and yeah so i mean i finally got over that about like a week and a half ago and I'm feeling like, oh, God, I'm old now. Like, sicknesses can really rock me, <laughs> which is really weird. Or this is just a particularly bad cold. I I still believe that I'm an invincible 17-year-old. I feel uh, you, though, <laughs> man. I went to, like, I raised my arms up to hug Kate a couple of weeks ago, pulled mm-hmm. something in my back, hurt for a week and a half. Like, oh, oh, my God. God. <laughs> That's like think, the, also the cutest story in the world, though. I'm such, I'm I such love a my wife wreck. so much. <laughs> I broke my back. <laughs> like, it was seriously, like, like lifting my arms and then just like, huh? I need to go lay down. <laughs> Kate's just too sexy. She just can, like, break your back with a hug. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like magnetism. You know, we're the same polarity. We are both, like, equally hot. So... Uh, oh, I see. <laughs> we repel each other. I just try to take a little bit of that compliment. <laughs> I just, I need something, man. I got to get through the day here. <laughs> hey, man, uh, you managed to get a hot wife to marry you and hug you. I'd say you're doing great. That's right. Exactly. If nothing else, I'm very tricky. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Well, otherwise, uh, yeah. Outside of being a regular nerd, I did read Farmhand Number One. This is from Rob Gilroy. Um, all I can say is Rob is a fantastic creator. This book worked really well for me on so many levels. When I first started it, it was a little clunky, but I realized after finishing the issue that the reason why it felt quote unquote clunky is because I think Gilroy is trying to get you into the mindset of what this book is going to be. And it reminded me of the first time I read Chew. And you're kind of like, whoa, 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 this seems super surreal. This is a bit too cartoony for what I thought was going to be kind of pulpy. And I mean, at the end of the day, Chew is not a pulpy book. I don't know what I was thinking, but I guess I had an idea of what I thought this book was going to be. And and the story sets me straight as to what I should be prepared for. Just like Chew, the art in this book is fantastic. I think over the years, Gilroy's work has only gotten better. And... I think that if you like Chew, you're going to love this book even more. This is only after having read one issue, but I think that the first issue was so solid that I I really hope that one, it can stay on time, and two, 
we get another 60 issues because I think this book has a lot of potential to be really fun, wacky, zany, crazy fun, just like Chu was. But this is all Gilroy. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm just starting to wonder how much of Chu was um, John Lehman and how much was Rob Gilroy because a lot of the things coming out of Farmhand feels like Chu, but like owned in a different way. But there's a lot of really fun zany stuff that made Chu really, really good. Um, like I know, I feel like this book is going to be fun, surreal, kind of gross, but honestly, just a solid read. So if you didn't grab this book, I highly recommend you do it because, whew, it was so good. I can't, I can't express how much I love this first issue. Well, that's what I read. If I ask what it's about, is that going to ruin anything for me? No, I think it's it's a food based story yet again. <laughs> But with a, a twist into some horror elements, I guess. Like, I guess the, the thing, it doesn't really give it away for me to say, um, main character's dad owns a company. Um, he's estranged from his father, I think. And his dad owns this company where they grow human parts from plants. And so if you need a new hand, they've got a hand tree. If you need a new kidney, they're growing kidneys like tomatoes. Um, and so Farm people come hand. and they... I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of again, it's a lot of fun, zany kind of gross stuff, um, and the, and I so I won't go into like the details of what the end of the first issue was, but um, yeah, it's really really good. Um, so the, the, I guess this 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 guy goes back to see his father, and something happens that twists the entire world into this chaos, and that's the end of the first issue. Um, that's about as super vague as I can be about that would almost describe you know a hundred other different comics but uh yeah with the caveat of they're growing body parts on trees and stuff so yeah that's what i read um let's talk about books that are coming out this upcoming week books are released on august 1st 2018 what are you both excited for let's start with you brian well i don't know if excited is necessarily the right word um yeah but the book that i guess i'm most eager to read is infinity wars number one Okay. Uh, that's uh, Jerry Dugan and Mike Diodato Jr. I, I, I don't know. I, I always do this to myself. I find out that Marvel is doing like a big summer event and I get really excited and that it's really bad. But I read, uh, I picked up Infinity War or Infinity Wars Prime, I think it was called. It's kind of like a, a setup book to this mm-hmm. event. And there's a, a pretty big twist at the end of that that I won't spoil. That's um, it's it's got me interested in finding out what exactly is going to be the plot of this arc, because with what happened at the end of that issue, what I thought Infinity Wars was going to be is no longer necessarily possible. Mm-hmm. So, I I feel a lot like. In Charlie Brown, you know, when Lucy like holds the football for him and then she yanks it away <laughs> and he goes, ah, yeah. and goes flying into the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like me with Marvel comics. They, they keep yanking away that football, but I keep lining up to take a run anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah. Th- and this is Diodato Jr. I think you sent a screenshot of something from Infinity Wars Prime. Was that Diodato's w- art as well? Uh, I believe so. I don't have the book in front of me, so I couldn't tell you for certain, but I think so. Okay. You're talking about the screenshot of uh, Loki being dragged out of a library by the horns on his helmet? <laughs> yes. Yes. They. It's Which very good, very Loki, nice. in the beginning of that, <laughs> that issue. 
Mm-hmm. It's just some like big burly librarian lady who is not taking any of Loki's bullshit. <laughs> I feel That's like great. no librarian lady would take any of Loki's bullshit. That's just yeah. like. I think that's like a test that you have to take to become a librarian. Oh, bless them. Undervalued mm-hmm. members of our society. Love those librarians, man. Uh, Tia, what about you? What are you excited for this upcoming week? I'm excited for Star Wars number 52. It's oh boy. smack dab in the middle of this arc called Hope Dies because hashtag Kieran Gillen things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm nothing if not consistent. Hey, you know, th- the Star Wars book has, from what I've read, has not let me down. And like, it makes me excited to read Kieran's Star Wars. Like, I, I've been reading the Jason Aaron stuff. I haven't gotten to the Kieran Gillen stuff, but from what he's done, what he did on Darth Vader, like I can only imagine his Star Wars stuff has been great. Yeah, so, and the Afra stuff. I mean, look, like yeah. he, I, I'm so happy that he's getting this opportunity to like play with all the, the droids because clearly he's really enjoying that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And especially like the synopsis of this is like if a if a living being can't do it, maybe a droid can save them. It's like, oh my gosh. Like <laughs> we know what you're about. <laughs> How about you, Mike? Oh well for me, I am excited for Mr. Miracle number ten. This is Tom King, Mitch Gerards. Uh the cover of this book is just a black or a white on black dark side. Um the whole book has been building to dark side. Because it's Mr. Miracle and crazy weird. I don't know anything about the mythos of the new gods and all that stuff. But I do know that Darkseid is. That's the thing that they keep repeating. So my my phrase was, Darkseid is coming to a neighborhood near you? Question mark Because Mr. Miracle and Big Bard are trying to live a domestic life. But also trying to stop the war on New Genesis versus Apocalypse. So... I don't know. Their their son, I believe his name is Jack, is super important because he's the son of Mr. Miracle, who is now the leader of all of the people who are fighting in of all the new gods. I don't know. There's, it's, the last issue was really weird. Like, there was negotiations and negotiations, and that was the focus of the issue um, of this forever war, whatever it's called, between Apocalypse and New Genesis. But on the whole, the entire argument and all the, the main pages of the story felt trivial like that wasn't what the issue was about i think like mr miracle's concern for his family and big barda and his son are really the focus of this book like and they have been since issue one so to spend an entire issue focusing on like trade wars and blah 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 whatever negotiations they were actually doing and have it all basically be inconsequential to the last couple of pages of the issue kind of blows my mind the fact that tom king is can write in such a way that it makes it feel like we just went through a bunch of things that seem important but actually weren't because of the personal issues going on with this character. Um, It's really interesting because it wasn't a bad read. It just, when you read the last of issue number nine, you're kind of like, oh, that was all... Like, that could have not been in the issue and if we would have just gotten these last few pages, it would have been totally worth it. So, um... Yeah, I, I don't know. This book is, is really bizarro and weird, and I don't know enough about the mythology to be like, oh, that's a cool little reference. Um, but I'm really, really enjoying it. I think Tom King knows how to tell a story that, that really hurt your heart a lot, just like Vision. And I can feel like mis- I feel like Mr. Miracle is going to do a lot more damage than Vision did to me. And I'm really scared. 
Uh, so if you have any questions, hit up Oh Hi Polly on Twitter. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul will ha- answer all of your new gods questions. That's true. Um, yeah, this this book's solid. I one one small thing I want to call out before we go to the break. I read Eternity Girl uh, number four, and there was speaking of the whole Charlie Brown and. <laughs> uh lucy analogy that's like a moment in eternity girl number four and it it's super worked that book is so fucking good i hope that everyone is reading eternity girl because it is so well crafted like this whole i must in order to kill myself i must kill the universe storyline is the coolest fucking thing um because of the just everything that's going on in the way that that mags is writing that character i i just want to shout that book out because number four like was so good so good that's all that's all Before we get started with today's topic, I do want to remind everyone that we have a Q&A episode coming up on August 15. If you have any questions you want the iRead Comic Books crew to answer, make sure to send them over to us at ircb at destroythesive.org or post them on Twitter with the hashtag ircbqa. We will take all of those questions and put them into a doc and then answer them on the show on August 15. So make sure to send them in before August 12. Now on to the show. Tia, could you get us started, please? Sure. Uh, so Brian and I chat a lot with some of the other people on the IRCB crew about depression and anxiety and mental illness and stuff like that. It's just, you know, it's something that a lot of people deal with. And I feel like comics is a, is an interesting and useful medium for discussing mental illness and depression and, and depicting it and I don't know, disseminating ideas about it, helping people feel less alone, helping people understand kind of what it what it's like and developing empathy. So we just thought it might be a good discussion topic for the show to kind of take a look at how comics engage with mental illness and depression and as readers, what we get out of that. Yeah, and we're we're certainly not trying to diagnose anybody with uh, any kind of mental illness, or you know, certainly shouldn't take anything we're talking about as medical advice. You know, we're not we're not experts. We're just people dealing with some stuff and watching characters deal with the same stuff in this medium. And I'm just here <laughs> to say. <laughs> I, no, and I Mike think, is no, here I, to I bring some this... much-needed levity yeah. to this otherwise very dark discussion. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, this is a this is a topic I know you guys threw at me um, to say like, hey, this this sounds like a really good thing. And I think like in our 160 plus episodes of this show, we haven't really gone down this path. I don't know if it's out of fear of like the like the darkness that can actually come out of it, or just we haven't had a, an actual focus on it. We never actually said, hey, let's sit down and talk about this because I think. You know, comic books is a great medium to express a lot of these these types of discussions and or these like thoughts and experiences that people have. 
And there are a lot of comic books that I know we've all read that that deal with this kind of stuff. And I, I'm really excited to have this conversation. And I'm also here to listen more than speak since I'm not necessarily someone that has experienced a lot of that. So I'll be here to, I guess, yeah, like you said, add a little levity here. But uh, I, th- I think it says a lot about depression that I think Tia and I first talked about doing this as a mini-sode back yeah, in like October or November of last year. And then we just didn't do it because <laughs> that's that's what depression is for me. Yeah, it's, you know, I was talking to someone recently about the difference between situational depression and anxiety and sort of clinical depression and anxiety. Because obviously everyone gets depressed. Obviously everyone has anxieties and they're not less valid or less real if they're situational because those feelings are those feelings you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and there are occasions when it is normal to feel that way like if you experience a loss and you get depressed afterwards like that is a normal reaction to that situation you know and Mm -hmm. you know so i i feel like there's People who are clinically depressed or clin- have clinical anxiety, they also get situationally depressed or anxious sometimes on top of their baseline clinical depression. Right. And, um, you know, it's the difference between like having something just be your default kind of baseline way that you have to move through the world versus a situation that you encounter and move through and get back to something on the other side. Like with clinical depression and anxiety, there's no other side. There's just managing it. And I think that in comics, there's a lot of, I mean, God, these superheroes are like constantly being traumatized with all of these horrible things that they have to go through that happens to them. And you know, I think that there's a real difference between that and then there's and moments where you see characters who, and we'll talk about some examples here, where it's just like, you know, that character is dealing with this on top of being like functionally depressed. Like that's that person's baseline. I mean, I think that there's, I don't, I can't think of a lot of comics that really try to deal with that, that I guess I'm trying to think of the way to phrase it that actually deal with the aftermath of some trauma. Yeah. You know, like they're, they're, I think, and I only speak because I read a lot of X-Men comics, but some X-Men books do try to deal with that trauma. Like a character will experience something severely bad, you know, um, they, like they, like a lot of the, the psychics, of course, in the X-Men, you know, they, they have them, they're, they're, personality or their their bodies taken over by other psychics. You know, that's kind of the thing that you see a character like the, uh, uh, Farouk, uh, also known as the Shadow King, you know, he takes over the body of Psylocke in a numerous numbers of occasions. I mean, that's like an ongoing thing in the Legion television show, too, where there is this extremely powerful telepath taking over someone's body. And the aftermath of that, those situations leave characters like Psylocke or like a Rachel Gray or... or Jean Gray, even, you know, in this these moments or these serious, like, traumatic... 
they have these traumatic feelings and the, these the aftermath is never positive for them and a lot of the characters are like it's okay just get over it you know it's not going to happen again and the comics really rush through that and i don't think that that's fair to the characters but when they do like i don't want to say drag it out but when it is when it is something that happens over multiple issues where they are still experiencing that trauma and the aftermath of that trauma um it's never I dealt with in a healthy way, uh, which kind of rubs me the wrong way. Like in 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 this talking about it in this circle. Yeah, um, for sure. It's something that in in my head I would just kind of call it trauma porn, where oh sure, it's just like let me as the writer do the most horrible things I can think of to this character because dark equals good and smart question mark. And it's, it's, it's so frustrating because it's, it's usually just the most, like, it's the most ham handed way of managing these kinds of things you've ever seen. Well, I don't know, Brian, if this is true for you, but I know for me when I'm going through a really serious depressive episode, it's just so banal. Like it's not an exciting story to tell. Yeah. It's, it's. It's, it's so blank and empty and nothing and and it's just like this white noise fuzz and you just don't care about anything and you don't want to do anything I mean like how uh, to translate that into a compelling read <laughs> or a compelling visual is is challenging and I think there are some good examples of it but I also think that um, certain you know some some writers and and creators maybe just don't have enough empathy into it or insight into it to really like put the work in to figure out how to translate it into the medium in a way that is really articulate and really also true to the experience. I think that an example of a really good depiction of functional depression is um, Fraction and Aha's Hawkeye actually. Like Hawkeye is, is a depressed guy and he just kind of goes about his shit but then when he isn't you know doing stuff he's like laying around and drinking coffee out of the fucking carafe because why bother dirtying a mug like that's literally right. depression brain tells you to do that yeah right yeah washing a mug would be too much work so let me just do this extra difficult way of drinking my coffee but it makes sense to you at the time yeah uh, show me the show me the character binge watching cooking shows on youtube that'll be <laughs> that i'll relate to no right and you do that because you're literally like i'm hungry but there's like the idea of acquiring ingredients and putting them together into a food item just feels impossible yeah i i, I definitely get that <laughs> I never thought of the Hawkeye book as being a book about depression, but I think the more I think about it, um, you know, it, it, it makes sense. Like that, this, that description is like, oh man, he, Hawkeye's not in a good state in that book. I mean, on top of the very obvious things that he says, but like, yeah, it's, it, if you look at what potentially could be the cause of it, it sounds like, yeah, from what you guys are saying, it sounds like depression is, is yeah. the primary source of that. And I think it's a good example of what I was saying where it's like, you know, he's he comes across as someone with clinical depression who is also dealing with situational trauma. So, you know, there are when I read that book, I can like I often feel like I could pick out the difference, you know, like that's something that he's dealing with that happened to him versus that's just like his brain. I mean, one book that I know that I've read that I I thought dealt explained depression and like the feeling and like the overwhelming dread feeling 
um, you know, that a lot of people I think describe comes that comes with depression was uh, my lesbian experience with loneliness. Um, like that book is is beautiful for a lot of different things, but I there is a moment in that book where you know the author Kabi Nagata she goes into the overwhelming pain and sadness that she felt and she didn't know how to deal with it, and the only way she could really find a shape to understand that pain was to cut herself because then she had like a focus for it and i never heard that as a description for like why folks do that they inflict pain on themselves in order to just put some sort of understandable shape around it to say like i can at least direct my focus for how i'm feeling at this thing even if they it's self-inflicted uh, i thought that was really interesting i never heard it described before like that oh yeah that's i think the most common reason why people self-harm it just it, it's a it's something you can wrap your head around. It's not existential. It's immediate, and um, you know you can. Physical pain is just simpler than existential pain. And there's a there's a biochemical reason for it too. Uh, when you're in physical pain, it triggers your body to reduce uh, to release endorphins into your brain, which you know it's the same thing that causes the quote unquote runners high that people get after exercising a lot because so, exercise fucking hurts right because you're you're literally creating tons and tons of tiny tears in your muscles i mean this is mm -hmm. why i compulsively exercise because it's the only thing that puts like that slows my brain down mm -hmm. you know, it makes perfect sense to me but then also in my lesbian experience with loneliness i feel like you also get that thing where it's like your depressed brain tells you that you can't do things and so you just get bogged down by this you almost are like a petrified tree you're just slowly kind of becoming fossilized and then you come up with this bizarre thing that you have to do to kind of like galvanize yourself out of it mm -hmm. which in the book she decides that she needs to have sex with an escort which is really interesting, her, the way that, I mean, she, what I love about that book is that she's like, nothing about this is sexy and I'm going to tell you all about it. So like, if, right, yeah. <laughs> the whole book is very much about like, I want to like, at least a chunk of it is like, I want to have, you know, go and meet this escort and have sex and feel good. And she, she describes it in a way that turn like, is not a thing to turn someone on by reading it, I think. A lot of people Absolutely, use sex yeah. to self-medicate with their depression. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it makes sense. And, and But it's not, yeah, I think this book is a great depiction of how really ugly and it's not romantic. Like, you know, there's no manic pixie dream romantic girl that is like, oh, my depression and anxiety are, they're so fascinating and sexy. Like it really right. just is ugly. And this, yeah. this book puts it out there like that. And I, I do, I think that coping mechanisms are definitely something that get touched on in a lot of comics. Um, not always in the best ways, but it's where you get characters like uh, Jessica Jones. You know, she is drinking herself to death on that TV show at the very least. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, and, and in the books too, she's pretty self-destructive. And it's... It's it's the kind of thing that you would totally expect to see with somebody who's dealing with that sort of trauma where, you know, her her bodily autonomy was taken away from her. And so she's 
trying to get past that by doing whatever she wants with her body in any given moment. And I, I really like that depiction because it's not like this horrible thing was done to her. So she became a superhero to fight against it. Like mm-hmm. she has her unhealthy coping mechanisms that a lot of people with PTSD or depression would recognize. And she's also, you know, kind of a hero in her, her off time <laughs> when she's not coping with her, her mental illness. Right. But I mean, it's really interesting sort of, um, I don't know what the right word is, indictment maybe on all of those well-meaning pieces of advice that people give you when you are dealing with clinical depression or some sort of trauma. And it's like, yeah, I can, just because I could do really great things as doesn't mean that it's going to fix this thing happening in my brain. Yeah, like it doesn't matter how many people Jessica saves, it's not going to make that go away at the end of the day. Have either of you read any of the Megan Mogg books? I know I've mentioned these on the show before, Simon Hanselman's um, comic strip, and there's a bunch of collected hardcovers that Fanographics puts out. I haven't. I, I always eye it. I always oh, look at it. so good. And I... And I and I think your recommendation as well as recommendation of a couple of other folks that I've talked to have been like, I really should get in on this book or this series because I, I've heard only good things about it. I mean, I think it's one of the best uh, discussions of depression and anxiety and mental illness in comics. It's it's so thoughtful and it's also so funny. Um the fact that it I don't know personally I get very I try to it's not that I try to minimize it I don't know how do I describe this I I will joke about my depression and anxiety like I have very dark humor and I that's just how I deal with it because it's you're talking about things that any normal person would kind of be horrified by you know what I mean um if you don't say them and then like laugh about it to let to be like no no it's fine I don't I'm you know, yeah, I would. I mean, millennial humor, I think, is is all very like dark, and you have to be careful who you jokingly like wish for death around because you kind of are like, I'm joking, but I'm not really joking, but I'm joking. And if you like, think I'm joking, then I'm joking. But if you get it, then then let's talk. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and let's create a separate chat program in exactly. our in our text <laughs> our text app. So the Mega Hex and the Megan Mog books, like they, they really, I think they also, you know, all the characters are like self-medicating with all sorts of drugs and things like that. And mm-hmm. and you just sort of um, feel less alone. It's nice. I don't feel like I actually am good at talking about my feelings. <laughs> and it's nice when someone who is good at, at talking about their feelings can talk about my feelings by proxy, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's 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 hard to I mean, I say this just from my own inability to do that is like it's nice to be like if you read this thing, you'll understand how I'm feeling about whatever subject or in this case, you know, some maybe mental illness or or whatever. Um I I I can totally understand that. Yeah, this person is an award-winning storyteller, so I'm going to let him tell you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I guess like are are there any comics that you guys you know, we've talked about my lesbian experience with romance, or my lesbian experience with loneliness. Sorry, uh, we talked about uh, Mega Hex here in Hawkeye. Are there any other books that you, you guys would recommend 
that you think are prob- are good at dealing with this type of trauma? Or we really didn't talk about the negative ways that these books are done. I've kind of talked a little bit about X-Men, but um, or maybe there are books to shy away from any, that get this totally wrong. Any Batman villain. I mean, yes, every God. every single Batman villain is mentally ill in some way or another, which Batman mm-hmm. solves by punching them in the face <laughs> and then throwing them in an asylum where, like, is famously where we just put crazy people to die because society didn't want to deal with them. Also, Howard, mm-hmm. like, look, if it takes a lot of fucking motivation to be a villain, where do they get the energy? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they, they all have, like, psychosis or like disassociative identity disorder or something like that and you know it really upsets me just because i feel like people struggle with that and it's not just a cool story so you get like a crazy villain i mean like people really struggle with that in real life and these these afflictions are so misunderstood and in sort of our broader cultural fabric and and it just it it's frustrating that narratives are perpetuated that are just so unhelpful and so dehumanizing yeah Mm -hmm. you see it a lot with did um especially with like that fucking Shyamalan movie that came out a couple years ago oh with the werewolf guy oh i just watched that actually um i got really drunk on friday night and watched that movie and it is uh not good (laughs) oh i was so angry when i watched that movie yeah, I the I mean I I kind of in a weird way like my brain in a subconscious level connected. Hey, this is what we're going to be talking about this week. Why don't I watch the worst depiction <laughs> of DID <laughs> that has ever been done? Um, I mean, and and that goes like I mean, my thought is like I I watched that because in my head I'm like, well, you know, Legion is a character from the X Men. That's his whole shtick. And then I I took a step back and went, that's really fucked up that they did that like like in it when you know when legion was conceived as a character i don't know when you know it, it was like that all the rage because i think that the idea of schizophrenia or what is now known as did or disassociative identity disorder it was a misunderstanding of schizophrenia then it became split personality disorder and now we're calling oh, right. it disassociative identity disorder yeah and i mean and those all have branches and things and again we're not experts so yeah whatever but like when you step back and think about legion as a character it's really fucked up the way that they did it but i think that like marvel has tried to curb and say like oh maybe it's not that maybe it's something else um because especially in the most recent legion series he goes to a psychiatrist and i don't know i think it's still spreading a bad message regardless um and then that split movie just ugh, it, it's even worse because there because the, it totally goes against every type of like diagnosis or anything that i've ever even read about did about people who have this and how they react and what causes it and what triggers it and yada 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 i, I mean i won't go into that movie any further but just ugh, don't watch that movie folks i know well did you watch the trailer for whatever the next one is where they bring all of it they like tie it back in with unbreakable yeah and glass yeah is yeah that what it's called isn't it, it's called glass right I, th- I think so. I don't know. I don't know. All of which is to say, I don't know. I just, people have a real misunderstanding still, of, I think, of depression and mental illness. And I, th- mm-hmm. I think that if a creator wants to engage with that in their work, they it would be nice if they did their best to make it authentic and make it... W- present it in a way that 
encourages empathy towards people who really have to live with it as as opposed to making it just be like a sort of sp- sensational a, yeah a plot like, device really yeah that's, yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> it was actually uh justice league the animated show i think it was justice league unlimited had an episode mm-hmm. where instead of uh they were trying to they were trying to get the get to the trickster for some reason and like flash and batman and i think it was orion walk into this villain's bar and they're all getting ready to just kick the crap out of trickster and flash is like well hang on hang on and he goes there he's like jesse buddy you've been taking your meds you know you got to take the meds man they they help yeah and just like approaches it he treats him as as a person in that moment and they show that like working better than violence could have which I think is important. Sounds fake, but okay. <laughs> I found the uh, I found the YouTube clip earlier. We'll put that in the show notes. I mean, Mike, you were talking about Eternity Girl in the first half of the show. That's a great look at yeah grappling with chronic uh clinical just desperate sort of like it's this because you know it's hard because you can't really just be like. Yes, I wish I didn't exist. People freak out. That the the baggage that comes with saying something like that, um, the cultural baggage, it's just it's too much, and so you can't really be, you can't really talk about it, which makes it worse. You know what I mean? And I just mm-hmm. I think that the way that it's being handled in Eternity Girl is so important and so true. You know? Yeah, I I I'm really really impressed with that book. Like. Just the the amount of overwhelming feeling that Eternity Girl has, right? The, just how she feels, and the the like the this tremendous sadness she feels. Like in the first issue alone, you get that. And I think that the way that it's handled in the book, it's not it's not like a it's not a gimmick. Yeah. Like that is that is it's so overwhelming for her to live and like and people around her are trying to help her in ways that are not helpful and i think that that's like a great depiction to be like look at all these people that are around you and they do mean well but it is not helping and there's something like there must be a better way to deal with this i'm hoping that by the end of this arc we see something um that kind of says that like gets to the to the to the bottom of that to say like here is how you can help someone because i don't think that I don't know. The book is really like it's kind of a downer, but in a good way. Like yeah. it's a, it's a good way to just to empathize with someone, um, because I think that Eternity Girl is depicted in a way that you can't help but empathize with her, um, because she is just overwhelmed by everything. Um, she doesn't know. She doesn't like the body she's in. She doesn't like the world that she's in. She doesn't like existing. And if that is like a if that's not like a billboard explanation, say hey, this is depression, and this is uh, you know. Um, yeah this if this yeah. this is a clear depiction yeah. of depression like it's it's wild and i think that it's i don't know if you're not reading that book you're missing out too i i'll say that again uh it's such a fantastic book and at the same time like what you're saying about all these people these well-meaning people trying to help her it turns into this thing where the person who's depressed ends up having to manage their feelings and their expectations about yeah. you yes. and your depression and it just yeah and it just sometimes sucks so much that you just withdraw from them because it's too hard that's that's why whenever mm-hmm. i have a depressive episode the first thing i do is just go into my room and shut the door yeah. and then like send kate a text saying 
hey i'm in one of those moods um i'll be out later and you know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to to be with somebody who understands that you know who's who she she knows that she can't always help and she's made me comfortable in telling her that you know this is a time where there's nothing you can do so i'm gonna yeah. you know, go be by myself because otherwise i'll just feel worse about you not being able to help me exactly yeah i think that that's hard to explain to people when they love you yeah that's a that's that's a really interesting thing i think that 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 is something that i think a lot of people don't understand like i think i don't understand that like i'm the type of person that wouldn't understand that um until i unless i had an actual sit down with someone um and i mean i think i'm a little bit more aware than i was say like five years ago of that kind of thing when someone says that to me to say okay i'll just let you be like that's fine but like here's Um, this book where you're being put in a situation where you identify with caroline with the with and so you're seeing that through her eyes and you're seeing all of these well-meaning unhelpful people trying to put and and how she's having to take on their feelings of help, of not being able to help her. So I think that that's a really good example of how putting these sort of situations in comic books can actually do some good because it just makes people more aware of the of the different perspectives in the situation. Right. Yeah, I, I again, I really want to champion that book because it it is it has helped me to understand like where someone's coming from with those types of feelings. Um like and I think like again, my my lesbian experience with loneliness, same kind of thing. Like the way that the, the feelings, the overwhelming feelings are described in that book is just kind of is really eye-opening. Um and I it's good to see that more and more books are dealing with these topics and I don't think like every single book needs to, but there do need to be books that describe this for folks that and others can empathize you know who do feel this way to say oh here's a character who understands how i feel yeah um and I, because there's a million other books out there that are already describing like the happy-go-lucky excited everyone's ready to go do everything and punch the bad guys book like we need other things there are other representations i mean we're going to get into whole all representation here in a second but uh, <laughs> <laughs> if i don't stop but yeah. i mean I, I think it's important yeah and it's especially in a medium like comic books because reading comics is like a, an active engaging way of consuming media you know it, it's not the same as like watching a movie or or listening to a podcast or something you know if you're you're picking up a comic book and reading it kind of everything that's happening is being filtered through your mind and so i think that's why it's it's so much easier for you to really put yourself into this character's shoes Plus, mm-hmm. I think that just um, in terms of what the medium is capable of with the putting, you know, the way that art works with text, the way that that layouts and grids and panels can convey the passage of time or uh, different characters and how they relate to one another in space. Like, just I think that that visually, not just narratively, there's a lot in the language of of comic books that that you creators can use to really create uh, a visual a representation of of the feelings of, of being depressed or having some kind of mental illness in a way that sometimes you just can't describe these things to people mm-hmm. i mean we when we did our episode about colorists i mean 
color alone in a comic can depict someone's feeling from panel to panel. And mm-hmm. I think give me another medium that can do that as quickly and as effectively. I, I don't think that there is one. I don't think movies or television can do it as well as comic books can in such a, in such a way that you feel it like mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah, because in movies yeah. and TV, you don't have as much control over how long you spend in a moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So sometimes I'll be reading a comic and like a, a really good example. I almost made it through a whole episode without me talking about Wiktiv, but um, <laughs> I think it's in the second arc where Laura is explaining some, or she, her mom asks her if she's okay. And then she launches into this whole inner monologue about how she's not okay. And her head's full of plasma and all of that. And then she doesn't say any of that to her mom. And so like the part where she's trying to work all of that out it's just her against a white background and then it's you know and then when she finally does talk to her mom again it's like back in her house but that page where she's on the white background I mean like I spent a long time looking at that page you know and and it 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 was comforting in a way to to see it put that way and to feel like seen by it you know what I mean and mm-hmm. I, I think about someone who doesn't relate to those feelings and, you know, just looking at this character on a white background and reading this. Um, and yeah, like you can you can really spend time empathizing, I guess, flex, flexing yeah. your empathy muscles. Yeah, I think comics will always have that. No one determines the pace, but you thing going for it like that no other medium can have. I mean, prose can kind of have that, but like the combination of visual and like the art and the text together, like it's unbeatable. Comics wins. Yeah, that's the thing. Like with a with a prose novel, and you know, I say this as somebody who got a degree in creative writing, it's kind of pointless to sit and stare at a page of a prose novel. You know, like you read it and you absorb the text, and then you can like think about it. That's that can be useful. But it's not the mm-hmm. same as in a comic book where, like Tia was describing, where you're just like absorbing kind of every every centimeter of the page and just kind of letting it yeah. all wash over you like that. Definitely. Well, I mean, I think we've we've touched on this enough for an episode. I think that there's definitely more to say. There's always more to say on these types of topics because I think they're they're really important, and this is definitely one that we should come back and revisit. Maybe um, Brian and I will hop f- on a mini-sode like we said we would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a mini-sode would be great. I think, um, uh, yeah, I, I guess any fi- last final thoughts on this? I mean, like, any real recommendations that you could give to people outside of maybe the books that we've already talked about? You know, I know there are a lot of comics that are more autobiographical and that deal with more along the lines of my lesbian experience with loneliness personally I avoid them just because they're actually really (laughs) triggering in a lot of ways you know I I hate that that word's been like co-opted by shitty people but so I'm I actually deal much better with fictional depictions and um but there I'll just throw out there because everyone handles media in different ways that if you do feel more connected with like more autobiographical type things or you know there's there's a lot of books out there where people are are talking about their own experiences yeah i mean just just take care of yourselves you know that because this is you know we're talking about how intense of a connection you can get reading a comic book 
and we're talking about it in the ways that it's a good thing but as Tia was saying it can it can be very triggering to somebody who is dealing with these issues themselves so you know if if you're reading a book and it's setting something off inside you don't it doesn't make you weak to put that book down and come back to it later or never at all you know that's that's okay yeah that's solid advice well thanks guys for putting this together i really i really like this topic because again i think it's it's something we haven't focused on and i'm I'm glad we were able to talk about it today so um i appreciate you guys both opening up to be able to talk about it um i just want to say that before we finish up the episode but uh yeah this has been great i guess let's go into plugs because i don't know how to transition into that (laughs) there's no good Good way to back out of this thanks for giving us Uh, a chance to talk yeah for sure (laughs) happy to do it um well follow everyone on twitter if you guys want to talk about this maybe maybe i don't know follow people on twitter talk to t at portrait of madam x spelled the cool french way uh you can follow brian at brian head you can follow me at mike rappin you can follow the show at ircb podcast maybe send all of your questions and thoughts there to the actual podcast thing and we'll get you an answer from not from a specific person but from the account um we retweet stuff we post polls every week that's kind of our thing Yeah, we also have a Goodreads group where we post weekly discussion threads. We have our Book of the Month discussions there. Uh, This past week, we had a big thread about uh, our discussion on San Diego Comic-Con. So if you're curious about our feelings on that, stop in, check it out. Hit us up at ircbpodcast.com. That's where we have our pronunciation guide and a new feature of the site. We have merch now. So if you want to stop in and buy a copy of our zine, that's where you can do it. Please rate the show and subscribe. It puts us higher in the rankings. It helps us get more listeners. Share the love. You can also email the show at ircb at destroythesibe.org. Infinity Shred does all the music for the show. They are the best band in the universe. Uh, Xander is a fun guy with lots of great qualities and a rainbow sparkle-like personality. He also edits the show. Uh, I want to say thanks to Brian and Tia for being on the show. This is, again, this is such a great topic. I'm glad we were able to do this. Um, Thank you to list for everyone who listens and shares the show and talks with us and sends me letters in New York. I got that from somebody all the way from Glasgow. Um, That was a really cool thing. Uh, So uh, until next time, uh, thank you for listening and make sure you own your trash.